Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Okay. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Lefty, program of the Victorian Labor College. In the studio is Irene Bolger. Good morning, everybody. Who you've met. And myself, Chris Gaffney. And we'll be here till uh, 11 o'clock. At 10.30, we'll ask you to ring up, have your say. Uh, ring up and have your say on anything, really. Well, uh, despite the fact that there's been intense public opposition to spending cuts, the Turnbull government's foreshadowing, foreshadowing deep cuts, predictably, on welfare and education in next week's mm. budget. <laughs> They're targeting the poorest people, of course. Who else? Such as the unemployed, other welfare dependents and students. Yes, because they're a drain on society. Well, that, that of course, is absolutely <laughs> they true. They need to get out. And, and the Liberal National Coalition is spending to spend billions of your dollars more on the military. Just what you need in your everyday life. It's also proposing huge handouts to big business via company tax cuts and profit-related infrastructure projects. All of these have the unqualified backing of the corporate media. Uh, the expansion in military spending will be paid through th- by the slashing of essential social programs. Uh, the government's committed to doubling the annual defence budget to around $60 billion by, uh, in the next 10 years, enabling the acquisition of things that I lay awake wanting, new submarines, warships, planes and other weaponry, worth some $195 billion dollars during that period. And those submarines are going to help us, aren't they, when we get those uh, rockets coming from... <laughs> That's <laughs> Allegedly right. coming it's from just, North Korea. It's just so... <laughs> those submarines absolutely will be ludicrous. fabulous. Um, in the lead-up to the budget, Turnbull's ministers, of course, have been vilifying welfare uh, recipients. Well, you've got to vilify them. You've got to show that they're not deserving and that they're essentially bad debt. Yes. Mm. Yes. With nearly 800,000 jobless workers receiving poverty line benefits, a product of the ongoing destruction of full-time jobs over the past decade, the government's accusing job seekers of gaming the system by, by attending compulsory welfare appointments to avoid being cut off benefits which amount to the contemptible sum of $290 per week for a single adult. Can I, can I just ask a question too? Like, how are these people, when they're... And I've forgotten what the jobless... How many jobs are available at the moment? I, I don't think it was... It's one in 20, roughly. Yeah. You know, for every vacancy, there'll be 20 people going for exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, so how are these people meant to get a job? Oh, there's there's no answer to the question. It's just accept <laughs> cutbacks. Just, it's a rhetorical question. It's a, well, for them it's rhetorical too. There's no, they I know mean, there's no answer. Where do they get a job? Well, well, they don't even care about that. All they're concerned is that they can reduce the welfare budget. Well, these companies that are raking off the money, uh, allegedly finding jobs for these people, they get paid just for the person to turn up. And for oh, them. yeah, yeah, And yeah. so all they do is send them off to useless places or... yes. Or, where they're never going to get a job. Well, even before you get a job, they're being paid. Yeah. They're being paid Mm. money. (coughs) Um, (coughs) Pardon me. Terminal's government is already conducting an offensive against so-called welfare cheats 
That is by falsely accusing people of receiving overpaid benefits and threatening them with debt collectors and imprisonment. Well, the latest accusations are no less spurious. They're based on a, a data leak to Murdoch's Australian to the effect that last year 7,006 job seekers out of 759,000 receiving the new start missed appointments of the government's Centrelink Welfare Agency. Well, I think they should starve to death for that. Yeah. But still retain their payments by attending interviews before being cut off. See oh, how devious these disgusting. welfare people are? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, ha- they haven't got enough money to keep travelling to do this either. I no, mean, much less apply for a job. Yeah. I mean, they haven't got enough money to buy clothes and stuff to get dressed nicely to go no, for no, a job interview. that's right. And it's, oh, the whole thing is sick. The Employment Minister, Michaela Cash, who led the drive to cut after-hours wage rates for lower-paid workers declared the welfare system was being abused by those who, quote, have no desire to work. Now, how she would know that, you wonder. Welfare, she said, was simply a lifestyle choice. You know, I think all of us want, (laughs) lie awake at night, dreaming of an absolutely poverty-ridden lifestyle choice. That's me, my first choice. Poverty, wouldn't you? That's what you dream of, I bet. Absolutely. You can go and buy... You know, if you didn't know, you can buy a can of tomato soup. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And a bit of yesterday's bread. That's and right. And I'm not joking. I mean, people on, on that amount of money, because I know on the old age pension, it's a struggle, you have to think yes. twice about what you're buying. Well, likewise, likewise. Yeah. With nearly 20 jobless workers for every employment vacancy, the government and the employers want to force the unemployed into ever lower paying jobs mm on insecure, super-exploited conditions. Barnaby Joyce, a moron if ever there was one, told young people to, quit, to quote, get off to your backsides, to find work, while coalition members of parliament blackguarded job snobs who allegedly refused employment opportunities. <laughs> I mean, it's just... <laughs> Last week, Treasurer Scott Morrison declared oh. that workers who rejected any job for oh. any reason, shouldn't be getting the doll. Oh, then there's a man of compassion. Yeah. A man who understands the struggle to, to, well, to live just on the doll. waiting for one of them to go and spend a week on the doll in a, in no, a that, uh, place somewhere. Some idiot a few years ago took so, that up, didn't exactly, they? Exactly. I was remembering that. Yes. And I'm thinking, uh, I wonder if one of them will try that. Just go and spend a week on the doll and say, oh, it wasn't that hard. Yes, that's right. Yeah, without yeah, having managed. to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> without having to pay rent, all the things that people, real people actually have. Um, despite this demonisation of welfare recipients, even the Australian's own news poll recently reported that Australians were overwhelmingly opposed to further welfare cutting, with 61% opposing cuts to the welfare centre in the budget. Yeah. So they're not fooling anybody, the government. No. Well, they're fooling uh, 39% of the people. Well, that's right, that's right. <laughs> well, that would include the rich who are up, right up for being fooled. Um, Morrison and Education Minister Birmingham have also foreshadowed tertiary student hikes of 7.5%, taking yeah. the cost of a four-year course up to $50,000. Yeah. And... By and large, these are people who got their education free, courtesy of the yes. Whitlam government. More that, moreover, students will have to start repaying their hex debts once they have burn, uh, earned just over the minimum wage of forty-two thousand a year. It used to be one uh, fifty, just on fifty-two thousand. 
and they'll also be charged an extra loan fee at the start of their uh, studies. Public universities are expected to face a 2.5% efficiency dividend, which means it's a cut. The purpose of these is to claw back the 20% funding cut sought by the government in 2014. Well, but the real purpose is that you don't want to be educating the uh, proletariat too much because they, when they've got knowledge as well as some knowledge, they oh, you don't want to educate the proletariat because they'll get bolshy and then they'll be work. hard to handle. That's right. You, and you, want the, you, need the, you need the plebs out there who are not educated anyway. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You can't them. have people thinking for themselves. This, of course, this cut, uh, the efficiency dividend, is already on top of a $4 billion slash by both Labor and Coalition governments since 2011. Morrison declared last week the budget would label social spending as responsible for bad government debt, right? While multi-billion dollar outlays for corporate-related infrastructure, such as freight rail lines, like the $1 billion they're handing over to Adani to wreck the, uh, the Barrier Reef, that's good debt, apparently. In other words, spending on basic social programs like welfare, health and education, on which millions of working class people rely, will be branded as bad, while satisfying the demands and boosting the profits of the corporations will be deemed good. The diversion of funds into infrastructure programs in a bid to offset the collapse of corporate investment since the mining boom began to implode. So the government's doing what big business isn't doing, and that's investing, investing to create jobs, supposedly. Corporate leaders, however, warning the government not to employ the good-debt-bad-debt good debt dichotomy as a means of evading the mounting deficit and debt crisis, instead of what they want of imposing ever-deeper cuts to social spending. The Australian Financial Review, that friend of the workers, Caution on Saturday that the rising net federal government debt level could imperil the country's AA rating, which I'm sure is a daily concern to your average pensioner. Yeah, I'm worried. These pressures, <laughs> I can see that, uh, these pressures have been intensified by the Trump administration's declaration last week of its intent to transfer trillions of dollars into the hands of the super rich by abolishing the estate tax, cutting the corporate rate from 35 to 15% and reducing the top income tax rate from 396 to 35%. Uh, Turnbull and Morrison responded by indicating that they would reintroduce legislation recently blocked in the Senate to reduce Australia's company tax rate from 30 to 25% for all businesses and not just those with turnover of up to 50 million a year, which has already been accepted by the Senate. Morrison said Australia's high corporate tax rate was a risk to investment in jobs. This is a period when profits are at record level. He highlighted the reduction of the British rate to 17%, the same as Singapore, and the French presidential candidate Emmanuel Macron, his vow that he would lower France's rate to 25%. Well, how about they give us some evidence that that has a direct effect? How about some evidence that will create one job? Exactly. Has it done it in Britain? Yes. You know, I mean, it's a ridiculous... They say it, they just say it, and it's taken as some sort of a fact. When in actual fact, it, it has, how does it have an effect? They want profits. The businesses 
and want profit for their shareholders. That's They're right. not interested in employing more people. They want to increase the profits for their shareholders. Which is the same as the slashing of the, uh, the penalty rates. Will that lead to creation of one more job? No, no. it won't because... Suddenly there's not an increase for the demand for coffee because no. people are getting paid less. The demand will <laughs> remain exactly the same yeah. with the same number of people being required to serve it. Yeah. So a cut to wages simply means an increase in profits. In fact, corporate leaders are demanding that the Turnbull government go even further. Now, in the face of all this, the Labor Party's response is, well, basically non-existent. They should be coming out here and you know going over the country... Uh, trying to correct it, but they're not. They're not. And even on the Adani mind, Shorten could say, oh, well, well you silent. know. Huh? They're silent. They're silent. They? That's the word anything. I'm looking for. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, don't, I also, I don't know, well, you've got something I can say something a little bit more about uh, women and Marxism if you want me to. I know no. you... Oh, it's up to it's up to you. I was just going to drooling at the thought, but... Um, oh, I'm easy, I'm easy, <laughs> as you know. Um... I thought I'd talk a little bit about Sweden. Uh, well, why Sweden? Well, uh, well, Trump came out and referred to a horrific terror attack in Sweden. Oh, yes. Only trouble was it never happened. No. The whole of Sweden was bewildered. What's he talking about? In December, um, in, and this is, if, you, if a country is remotely progressive, then the American job is yeah. to slay off at it. Yeah, yeah. In December, yeah. a new story made the rounds in the US press about Sweden banning Christmas lights <laughs> to avoid fending Muslim migrants. <laughs> so, the writer, uh, a, a Swede, said, I can see crystal, Christmas lights outside my window and all over the city. <laughs> I couldn't. I can't figure out who would believe such an absurd idea. Fox News and apparently, yeah. Apparently, there was a um, there was a, a tiny municipality in the south of Sweden who stopped Christmas lights because it was bringing down the grid. <laughs> Had nothing to do with Muslims at all, and Stockholm wasn't affected at all. Uh, another one was there was a Swedish drug addict who <laughs> who fell asleep inside a church. With his penis out. Oh. This then became a story about hordes of Muslim refugees defecating <laughs> and <laughs> masturbating inside a Swedish oh, church. Doing both? Well, apparently oh. at the same time, which is some achievement. Some new <laughs> sort of sexual activity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <clears throat> one drug addict falling asleep <laughs> with his dick hanging out suddenly becomes hordes of Muslim refugees defecating and masturbating. Um, The Swedish daily newspaper, I can't pronounce it, discovered a fascinating fact about these two stories. They both emanated from a troll factory in Macedonian Yugoslavia. (laughs) Macedonia. (laughs) Hundreds of young men there make a living inventing stories designed to spread like wildfire on social media. Why? In order to generate clicks for advertisers. The man who invented the church story, Ivan Stankovic, he earned twenty-five. Stankovic. Yeah, that's right, appropriately <laughs> named. He earned twenty-five dollars for his story, which he considered total jackpot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in this whirlwind of rumours, Sweden's come to occupy a central role. It's cast as the innocent, naive white country in the north, <laughs> which was once a paradise, but uh, but which is 
uh, collapsed under its own uh, concessions to to migrants, right? Yes, which is about like what they reckon Germany has, and uh, I don't I don't think Germany's quite collapsed, has it? No, 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 nor is indeed Sweden. No. Interestingly, the myth has two dimensions. It's used to show that immigrants are in Sweden to take white men's women. See, that's the purpose it serves, which bears striking similarities to the rationale behind lynchings of young black men who look at, or much less whistle, white women. Yes. And that the sexually liberated woman deserves to be punished anyway. Well, yes. Well, of course, you would know that. It suffices to read the comments under videos in which the rape is discussed. Terms like, these sluts deserve it, Swedish men are gay, are intertwined with kill-all immigrant parasites. So this this is the sort of level at which they're operating. In a strange way, these white men actually use Muslims and African immigrants as a weapon against white women. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but white women are pretty low in the scale. I mean, well, women generally are pretty low. Uh, they the are. Scale. I mean, they're only so, one step above black women. Yeah. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Another dimension of this narrative is the covert anti-socialist, anti-welfare punchline. Sweden is being destroyed because the social democratic welfare state has been too generous. Oh, no. And That's why so they've got all these non-existent problems. Oh, and they, yeah. One thing they point to is the, they say, look, the, the uh, rape rate in Sweden has gone up. Now, if you look at the, just the figures, the rape rate is higher in Sweden than in the world for one good reason. Their laws that, are stricter. Their laws are different. They've got very, very strict laws in That if you rape a woman 50 times in Sweden, that's 50 charges of rape. Well, if you only, do it in yeah. France, it's one charge. Not only that, if you don't use a condom when you're supposed to, there's the, I don't know whether it's a rape charge, but there's certainly charges attached to that. They've got very strict laws in relation to... Well, if you sleep uh, with a woman under 15, or a girl under 15, that's considered rape as well. So the reason why the Swedish rape figures are that yeah. is because they have yeah. a more, well, more realistic attitude to what rape is. If you rape a woman 50 times, that's 50 charges of rape, not one. Yeah. Which it is in most oh, No, well, here, no, that's not entirely true. Here, if you rape a woman more than once, there's more than one charge. Is there? Yeah. Well, apparently it's not true in France and Germany. Oh, OK. But, it, but I didn't know. Is, I can't have forgotten yes. about but, Australia. Um, no, no. But uh, but they'll, they'll start on Finland soon because Finland's pretty uh, pretty democratic. Well, any, good, anybody, uh, that's right, that's right. State, uh, so there'll be something happening there in a minute. In fact, Sweden was, until the mid-1980s, the country with the most equality between the sexes. Yes. But things have changed since then. I mean, we used to, people used to get all misty-eyed about Sweden, Sweden yes. the land where social democracy <laughs> was absolutely and perfection. And you'd see these blonde, you'd always see blonde people. Uh, blonde people, like healthy. Under the uh, sun. That's healthy. right, that's right. Yes. But since then, large public ownership of key sectors, including subsidised housing, free health care and relative high taxes for the rich, have gone. Hmm. Um, with the fall of the Soviet Union, Swedish politics took a dramatic neoliberal turn. Hmm. Most notable was the change within the Social Democratic Party, the equivalent of our Labour Party, which swung 180 degrees and, like the Australian Labour Party, went from being a Social Democratic Party to, to being yet another prop for corporate yep. capital, capitalism. Mass privatisation introduced by this same Labour Party. Electricity, housing, pensions, telephone, railways, public transport, yep. healthcare, pharmacies and even schools passed from public to private. 
Since 1990, taxes have been reduced for the richest part of the population. In fact, Sweden is now the country where economic inequality is growing the fastest. Mm. After 1994, when Sweden joined the EU, labour rights were dismantled and unions came under heavy pressure to accept worse conditions. Class struggle had a new opponent, the EU court, which ruled that foreign companies had the right to operate in Sweden and pay salaries as low as they would pay in their country of origin. So the myth of the social democratic paradise of this Sweden is, is, is gone. I think, it, I think now it's more Finland and Iceland, isn't it? Who are, which well, Iceland had the unique more. distinction of telling the bankers to bugger off. Yes. <laughs> and actually put some of them in jail. Yes. Why aren't we doing that? Housing instruction subsidies were abolished. Public housing, previously owned by the state or the local council, was sold to private companies, leading to an extreme rise in private debt and a scarcity of available apartments. The term white trash, previously alien to Swedish people, was suddenly imported by the US to label the new poor. But uh, strangely, the people who found themselves at the very bottom of the social economic ladder weren't Swedes, but immigrants. So even in that myth, the mythical country (laughs) where the Labour Party policies work a treat, gone, gone, gone. Yeah, so it's where the mythical country that provided us with um, uh, our current, well, back in the day when uh, Mr Hawke and Mr Keating were in charge, uh, with the change in our labour laws... And well, with, uh, <laughs> they were so blatant, they just did what the corporations wanted on at every level. Well, I, when we had our little troop who went over to Sweden and came back. and I, guess uh, I vaguely remember that. Don't you? Hey? I vaguely yeah. remember that, uh, yes. Yes, well, Mr Laurie Carmichael. Oh, uh, yes, what a communist. sellout, Mason. What and, a sellout. Uh, well, it was because the uh, metal workers were big sellouts in relation to this. They, they were. were the leading uh, group and they were the big one of our biggest... Uh, <coughs> Opponents during our strike. Oh, were they really? Yes. And no, they played the disgusting that. And, uh, yeah, because this little group went over to Sweden and came back all suffused with... Um, well, they wrote, they wrote um, uh, and I keep forgetting what it was called... Australia Reconstructed. Australia Reconstructed, of which I wrote a critique <laughs> that, uh, <coughs> that was published. Yes, I and, too. <laughs> um, and that turned into the Accord. Mm, which has mm, pretty mm. much destroyed the labour movement well, in Australia. I mean, it's based on the false view that somehow our interests and those of corporate capital are the same. Yes, we're all in the same boat, they say. No, we're the not in the same boat. We're outside yes. and they're in a boat that's not leaking. Yes, and um, uh, so that, that pretty much has... Um, and if you look at it, uh, the unions uh, that... Uh, well, the unions have had have relied on that, but then that means that they haven't had to work as hard. They just go in on their... Well, no strikes. Just, Most uh, of them have never been on a strike. No. Most unions... You know, to fight and the notion of fighting for anything... No, 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 He's almost gone. completely alien. Yeah, just about. He's completely There's only the odd little... The odd ones who will... Uh, the odd like one. the age journalists at the moment. Well, Congratulations the, to yes, them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, good luck, comrades. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, way out of... I mean, it's, uh, it's just... Well, it, it gives me a glow 
when somebody does go out on strike and oh, there's a little like bit it. of a fight still going yes, on somewhere. Yes, that's right. That's right. We're not... But, that's right. But the rest of them stay silent, you might notice. There's no mm. outpouring of support no, from no, the age I workers. No, I know. I know. <laughs> the unions are an absolute, dis- they by are. and large, are an absolute yes. disgrace. Well, Except for the CFMU. Well, the CFMU, indeed. That's, there's one <laughs> or two ones that give some meaning to the word union. But, of course, the Lib Party's facing a lot of difficult times. The latest polls have the coalition uh, down 47 to 53. Uh, and in particular, interestingly, voters over 50 have deserted the government because of the changes to the age pension, where, you know, the pension needs raising as to the unemployment well, rate, but nice. they effectively cut it. Yes, uh, <coughs> I'd have to say, and I'm not greedy, <laughs> if I was, I'd have a whole lot of money in the bank. Yes, but <laughs> you, you and me both, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're the people who can meet. It's not as if we're sitting around uh, luxuriating. In I mean, it's it's nice not have to work after starting at sixteen for me and leave stopping at seventy. Uh, but I'm having to go. I'm going to have to go back to work. Oh, right, right. Well, well, I still try and pull in money from the odd acting jobs. I mean, I depend uh, on those. Yeah, well. You know, Not that there's that many of them, although they pay that well, but one's still got to keep going through the motions. Um, the fact is, for the prob- the big problem for the Liberals is that they're, and I hate using this word, they're middle-class social base. I mean, it's a misleading term. Middle-class is used in a ridiculous way, often just to mean people who are educated. But those people, educated workers who still vote for the Liberals, that's shrinking. Yeah, but didn't you tell me I was middle-class the other day? No, I when didn't. I was a, I didn't when use I was that. a barrister, no, I said oh, that, that occupation by being self-employed, I said yes. was petty bourgeois, well, small yes. capitalist. Yes, like like so that's a shopkeeper. What people mean by middle class? Well, no, they. That's a problem. Well, people generally. In well, no, here. no, it's you. So often they just mean well, the bourgeois. people who've had uh, Z. The people who have had university education suddenly become middle class. It's used a lot with identity politics. Yes. rather than what people actually do. Now, of course, a bu- barrister, by the fact that it's self-employed, yes. is a petty bourgeois. That says nothing about the fact that this barrister may devote their entire life to the working class well, cause. Well, used to do but the uh, actual, a lot of pro bono. Of course, I'm sure you did. And, and legal aid work. And you'd be defending all sorts of people that we would think needed defending. I mean, I'm, yes. not so, it doesn't state. mean that the, the occupation becomes a dishonourable one. It just means that its nature is that it's... As, but as, you can't include all of us in it then, surely, just well, because of the very well, meaning of what the job self-employed is, is. Yes, but many people in – like there are individual – like Bob Gould, for example. He was a, ran a bookshop. In, yes, in, in, I've been to Bob Gould's bookshop. He was a classic petty bourgeois. Yes. So have I. But his loyalties to the working class were unmistakable. Yes. And uh, you'd always count him as a, 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 a comrade. So it's, you're not necessarily – you don't Speaking necessarily mean that you have petty bourgeois ideology. It just means the nature of your job is that you're, you're not employed but by anybody your, and you don't employ anybody. Shouldn't it be your ideology in that case that's important? In no, terms of because... What no? No, for no. the simple reason that if okay. I work in a factory but I'm a bit crazy and I think I'm the fourth Earl of Guernsey... Yes. Am I the fourth Earl of Guernsey? Am I, am I then an aristocrat? Because I think I am? No, no, that's a different thing. No. Why? You're, you're, well, because uh, if I say that um, I'm a socialist, mm-hmm. for instance, yeah, but, but that's I'm an a barrister, ideology, it's not the same thing. If I'm a barrister, yeah. uh, so I'm considered to be petty bourgeois. By occupation. 
But right. ideology, you may be socialist. Exactly. And I act, I act as a socialist. Yes, I'm not disputing that. And not so, not with so anything. That's meaningless. So it, I'm labelled because of the actual, of what I do, rather than what my, you know, being a socialist. So that's meaningless. Well, no, it's not. For example, well, if, I, if I were an employer, I've got 50 employees and I've got a factory, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But I devoted all my money to the socialist cause. I believed in socialism. I joined the Socialist Party. That I would still be a capitalist, but I would. But my ideology would be pro-working class. Well, Likewise, yes. Yeah, so you, well, so you, you can make separate the two. That, but an argument in terms of what I do, because I don't employ anybody, no. is, uh, well, so is I think slightly different. Because uh, well, I think you've got. Well, it's not I saying you've all. got lots of different, lots of different. Uh, uh, classifications really that don't necessarily you, turn out to be. Yeah, if you go by ideology, if you go what's in a person's head what rather than in, their occupation. Yes. Uh, but also what I do, what I do, mm. what I carry out as my occupation. Yes. So I carried out, you know, took taking a lot of legal aid work mm, and mm. Uh, and doing pro bono work. But which there's means no you conflict there with, at all. Well, no, there's not. There's no conflict there at all. Uh, but I'm still called petty, petty bourgeois. No, so your occupation. You are not petty bourgeois, but your occupation yeah. is petty So does bourgeois. that mean if when come the revolution that I'll be lined up for no, the No, absolutely not. Because no, no you, well, you will have worked for the, the working class. <laughs> you will have served the working class faithfully. Um, I mean, remember, Engels was actually a factory owner. Did that make him a capitalist? Well, technically, yes, it did. But you're not going to say he didn't redeem himself somewhat. In oh, other words, yeah. what? But if you I must, started out, a definition of class must have an objective basis. It can't yes. be based on what's but in I your head. Out, I started out as the probably the lumpen proletariat. Well, I, I don't know, but you no, may well have done that. Yes, and, and for most of your life, I'm sure, you, as a nurse, you were a worker. Yes. And then you changed occupations and you went into a petty bourgeois occupation. Yes. Didn't mean your ideology changed, although for many it does. Uh, and people tend to be drawn, people who tend to have petty bourgeois jobs tend to develop petty bourgeois consciousness. But it's not, a, it's not an inflexible rule because some people have an awareness and a consciousness um, formed by their own, their own history. But you've got to, uh, that's the whole virtue of the, of the Marxist definition of class, is that it's objective. And as I say, if I suddenly had this notion in my head that I was uh, a lord, really, and the people around 3CR yeah, should start recognising that. reality. That's what I mean, but it's in no, my no, head. No, but fantasy is not, no, but I, uh, it was not fantasy for me in terms of what I was when I'm classed as a petty bourgeoisie. I don't have a fantasy that I'm. No, I understand that, but what I'm, no, but the point I'm making is that you don't proceed to define class by what the person thinks about themselves, because unfortunately, and we'll come to your callers now, unfortunately, oh, if gone. most workers, <laughs> think about this, if most workers had a, an acute awareness of their class, we would have had socialism yesterday. Most yes. workers have this notion that... They're not workers anymore. Well, they're all spy, aspiring, aspiring. To be petty that they're somehow. <laughs> you ask most people, and they say, "Oh, I'm middle class." They're yeah, not middle but class. That's why we're not going to get the. And that's why we're not it? getting socialism yeah. because. And that's what the job of a Marxist is to yeah. say to people who are actually workers: Look, these are your real interests, 
not this delusion put into your head by some newspaper that says you're middle class because you've got a university. Well, you're no, a no, worker. No. And you've got a big house and two cars and a big and house a pile in of debt. And a pile of debt. <laughs> All right, people. No, no see, we can, we've, we're, I'm going to next week. Mm-hmm. You see, I, I I got us off on a tangent then, of no, course. Fine, so that's tangent. my fault. So I am I am itching listeners to get back to a bit of feminism and Marxism. Go for it. Go uh, for it. But not. Uh, I'll do that next week because I've got a bit to say. Still, All right, fine, but, fine. Um, I didn't realise you. Had no, no. I I this morning, uh, uh, I, I took for... us off on a tangent. No, that's all right. Good tangent. We'll have a chat to 